Last week, Chris took us through kind of the last passage in Colossians. Um, so today we've got a bit of a chance just to reflect on what we've learned from this, to look back over the last couple of months and to think about kind of this book of the Bible and what it's meant for us and how it uh, might change us. Um, but before we do that, I just would love you just to use your imagination for a little bit. Imagine that you live in the first century in this town, Colossae. Um, and you, someone came to the town and uh, some of you were Jewish people following the Jewish religion. Some of you were maybe pagans following many, worshipping many gods. But someone came and they told you a story. They told you a story about a man called Jesus who not long ago, just a few years ago, had lived on planet Earth, had come and taught people the ways of God, had come and done these amazing wonders and miracles to say that God had come close, so had told you that this man had died uh, but had risen, came, come back to life and was now in heaven. And you had decided to follow this Jesus, that you had decided to become part of this community called the church. And so you were a small church in this small town. You were probably meeting in someone's home. Maybe one of you, one of you who decided to believe was quite a wealthy person and had quite a large home. So your meetings would be in this person's home and you would gather together uh, regularly and you would eat together and you would share fellowship together. You would worship God together. You would read uh, some of the scriptures, but you wouldn't have a Bible like we had today. You'd have all of the Jewish scriptures, which were the Old Testament, um, but there were no other scriptures written. So you might have had some stories that were told to you about Jesus that you would recite to each other to remember them. But things like the Gospels that we would read today weren't written at this time. So you would tell each other the stories of Jesus. Um, you would hear about maybe other things going on in the church at the time. You might have heard of the Apostle Peter and James who ran the church in Jerusalem. And you probably heard of this guy, Paul, the apostle, who traveled, who traveled around talking about Jesus. But obviously in a time before kind of instant communication that we live in today, there were probably times where you felt quite disconnected from what was going on. There were probably times where you wondered, well, are we really following the way of Jesus? Are we really getting it right? What, we haven't heard from the church in a long time. But you would encourage each other and you would try and press on. But then imagine how you would feel. If one day a visitor came to your church and said, you know, the Apostle Paul, that person who's traveled the world talking about Jesus, that, that person who's leading the church in all kinds of places, well, he's written you a letter. He's written you a letter to help you to know uh, how you can follow Jesus better. Imagine how we would listen. Imagine what that would feel like, that that letter had come to us. Imagine that visitor came and read to us a letter from the Apostle Paul. Letter from Paul, sent by God to proclaim Jesus' resurrection, and from our brother Timothy, to God's people in Colossae, who are set apart for a purpose, living faithful lives rooted and transformed in Christ. May you know God's grace and peace. We just can't stop thanking God for you, because we hear so much about your loyalty to Jesus and your unconditional love for God's people. We know then that you have understood the Jesus story, how hope is stored up for you in heaven and yet is breaking into your today. And you're not alone. This same Jesus story is transforming lives in every corner of the globe. So we pray and we'll keep praying that you would know what God wants through wisdom and understanding in the spirit. So you can live as the people you have been made to be, a rescued people under the reign of God's son. This son is how we know what the invisible God looks like. 
He was there at the start, and in him everything else found its own start. Everything made through him, everything find its purpose in him. In him all life is sustained, and he is forming a new resurrection people. His resurrection was the dawn of resurrection life, and in him life is spreading everywhere, life at work, so that all the broken and dislocated places of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, will be properly fixed and fitted together in him, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. And you're an example of this. You used to be far from God, but Christ's death has transformed you into a new people, pure and spotless. This is who you are, kept this way because you hold to the hope found in that Jesus story. Let me be clear. I'm going through a tough time. I'm suffering for you, for Jesus and his body, but I'm full of joy because this suffering is part and parcel of sharing God's truth with you, a truth that used to be mysterious, that seemed unknowable, but is now made known. The truth is that in Jesus, everyone is included, even the outsiders, the irreligious, the sinners, even you. So I'll carry on working hard to speak only about Jesus, because he is the mystery made known. In fact, anything really worth knowing is found only in him. So I'm so happy to hear of your loyalty to Christ. That's what's needed, not a PhD in the latest religious ideas. So simply continue the way you started, accepting the freedom Jesus gives and the master that he is. You know this, so live it out. People will tell you freedom comes if you live this way or practice that tradition, but don't be fooled. Dead religion doesn't bring life. Everything of God is seen and lives in Jesus. The rule of sin in your life was ended when you joined in his death at your baptism. And as you came out of the water, you entered his resurrection life. A complete transformation. Sin is not your master anymore. Now you are really alive, forgiven, free, without shame in God's eyes. Some people are going to judge you by the way you live, how religious you appear. But don't listen to them. God has already spoken in Jesus. You belong to him. Some will want you to compete to be the most spiritual, to be super spiritual, the most disciplined, the best Christian. But don't be taken in. The only way to be free is to live in Jesus as the people he has made you to be. So because you have already been made alive in Christ, train your heart and mind to understand this. Look to Jesus. Think about Jesus. Live in Jesus. This means putting to death in your life those old ways of living. You know what I'm talking about. Sleeping around, thoughts and lifestyle tainted by sin, lusting, controlled by desire, desperate for more and more things, and ultimately serving a different God. All these things make God so angry because they damage you. They're part of who you used to be, not who you are. So get rid of them. Run far away from anger, bad tempers, meanness, bad language, lying to each other. These are not who you are. They're clothes you used to wear. But now you have a new wardrobe, and each item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator, with His label on it. Here amongst God's people, those old labels don't count for anything. There's no insider and outsider, no religious and irreligious, no dropouts, no foreigners, no weirdos, no rich and poor, powerful and weak. No. Everyone is defined by Christ. And everyone is included in Christ. You are God's people. Set apart for a purpose, so dress like it and act like it. Wear compassion and kindness, humility and patience and gentleness. Be forgiving because you are forgiven. 
Wrap the cloak of love around it all. These clothes are yours. They show who you really are. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule, because you are people of peace. Point each other to Jesus. Teach and challenge each other to follow Jesus and give thanks to God through it all. In all your relationships, take a Jesus-shaped approach. If you're married, love each other with the love that comes from him. With children, learn together how to live the Jesus life. In relationships where you're powerless, look to Jesus before you fight for yourself. And in relationships where you are powerful, use power the way Jesus has shown you, sacrificially and fairly. In everything, keep praying. Be aware of the world. Be thankful to God. Pray for us so that we can keep sharing this Jesus story, this mystery made known. And you too, always show love. Be filled with grace and wisdom as you look for chances to spread the message to all whom you meet. We don't work alone. There are so many people I need to tell you about and thank. Tychicus can tell you more about me. He should be arriving with an isthmus. Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, Epaphras, Luke and Demas all send their love. And do send my love to Laodicea and to Nympha and the church she leads. I, Paul, send you so much love. Do remember me in my chains. And may God's grace always be with you. I imagine when that letter first came to the church, how it would have been treasured, how every word would have been poured over, how the, all the riches that could have been gained from that uh, would have been spoken of again and again, how it would have been thought about, discussed, repeated to each other. You've got to remember this church, they probably most of them couldn't read and write, but those who could would, would say again and again these things, would talk about these things. And we kind of get the privilege, uh, as we've done the last few months, of kind of listening in on this conversation. I've seen these words that were written 2,000 years ago, which somehow seem to speak so precisely to our situations, which somehow seem to have such power to speak to us, which is incredible. And it's part of what we believe that the Bible is about, that actually these words were written long ago by people into real situations. And yet, by God's spirit, they speak to us today. They speak to us as a community of people and they speak to each of us in different ways and each of us take something slightly different from them. But as a family together, as a community together, by sharing and learning and growing together, we kind of experience something of the whole. And I hope that's what we've been trying to kind of work through and demonstrate over the last few months, that it's not just about someone standing here and telling you what something means, but actually it's about exploring something together. And we want to do a bit more of that today. So today we're just going to hear from three different people. Um, and they're just going to share a little bit about something that struck them or something that they've gained um, from going through Colossians. Uh, so I'm really excited to hear from them. So I'm going to first ask Emily up, um, and Emily's going to share a little bit with us. I was going to apologise because I haven't picked the cheery part of the passage, but I'm not going to because it's my favourite bit. Um, <laughs> so the part that um, struck me most was in chapter 3. So um, obviously we heard a slightly different version from Ben, but this is the part where, it, um, well, to me, it's talking about living. Um, so he talks at the beginning of the passage about setting our hearts and minds on God, and then he goes through this list of, you know, put to death um, your earthly nature. Um, uh, yeah, these, like, um, these things that don't bring us life. Um, and it just reminded me a bit of, um, there was a sermon we had last year, not on Colossians, um, and this theme of saying that God didn't come on the cross and die on the cross simply to wipe out our sin, but that he came actually to bring us life. 
um, and this amazing true life that we can live and not should be living, but um, we are now raised with Christ. Um, so we have this life available to us. So yeah, it's probably a slightly heavy section. I know it's got the wrath and then it's got this list of uh, what I used to see of sort of do's and don'ts and like what a good Christian wouldn't do. Um, and just having reviewed that now in the context of Colossians, I kind of see it a bit differently. Like um, he, he spends the whole rest of the book um, kind of like rejoicing over the church in Colossians and um, praying for them and encouraging them. And then we come to this bit and he's saying, do not do these things. And so in that context of his you know, previous rejoicing, it doesn't look to me like a list of things that are supposed to bring them guilt or um, like sort of oppress them. But it's just a list of reminding them of these things that don't actually hold any power over them anymore um, and things to put to death because we have life now and we don't need to hold on to these things. Um, and that sits with this, this God who loves us and he wants to challenge us in um, where we're still living earthly things, but he, he wants us to change, not be sort of oppressed by them. So yeah, um, like this idea of truly living, I think it's appealing to everyone to know you've got like meaning, but as well for me, I, I worry about everything. I'm one of those chronic worriers. Um, and for me, that means I often avoid like unknown situations or changes. Um, and that often means as well that rather than living and experiencing things, I just sit back in a little comfort zone and bubble um, and I'm kind of more just surviving. And that means as well that I probably sit with a lot of these old habits as kind of, they're not good, but they're comfortable. So it's a, a challenge, but also, you know, this idea of this true life that we have is, is appealing. So um, that's why I think this section jumped out to me. Um, so there's kind of two bits that, like, I think were highlighted to me. Um, one is this acknowledging of our earthly habits. So these things, um, he lists that some of them, I don't think it's a complete list of um, habits the church had, um, and just acknowledging them, um, putting them to death. So letting them go, like bringing them to God, and then trusting that he has more for us in that. Um, and then the second part as well is at the beginning, he talks about setting our hearts and our minds on God, um, like having our thoughts and our like passions in line with him. Um, and it, later it says, you know, you are being renewed in knowledge in the image of God as a creator. And I think that comes through being in tune with God is and what he's saying to us and uh, who he who he is as a person. Um, not It doesn't come by our actions, by us choosing not to do these things, but by just acknowledging who God is. Um, so I don't, I don't have a particularly inspiring list of how I'm changing because of this. I think they're quite, um, they, they seem quite simple things to say, um, but like when I have worries and stresses, it's, it's taking those to God, it's acknowledging them and letting him deal with them um, and not letting them like evolve into this massive thing. Um, acknowledging other habits I have and I think just being watchful of where they are in my day-to-day -day life and you know, then, then cutting them off and stopping them um, and seeing how I can be loving in that situation instead. Um, and then the final thing is this aligning my thoughts and desires with God. I'm not someone who naturally finds 
like daily reading and prayer particularly easy. It's not a habit I've ever been particularly great at. Um, but I know that in that I do become, you know, I'll become more aligned with, we want to become more like Jesus. And I think that, that happens just by um, sitting and spending time with him. And that song we sang earlier about stir up a passion um, just says Jesus is where it all began. And like stir that up in us, stir that passion. So I think praying over that and just making sure I'm giving that time to him. Uh, yeah, there are three things. I just want to change because of this. Um, so for me, the first chapter of Colossians has always been a go-to passage, um, not least because, as Chris embarrassingly pointed out, one of the verses is the verse I was given for my baptism a few years ago. Um, but this chapter is one of those passages that's so crammed full of good phrases and sentences that it's hard to feel like you've really read it and paid attention to every point. Um, I found this series really useful for systematically going through all of it and bringing out what Paul was saying in that context, understanding the significance of all of those complicated phrases. <clears throat> and that's been a great foundation for discussions in small group and reflecting in my own quiet times, having gone through all those concepts in the sermon and breaking them down so that I can pick up individual bits that, that stood out to me and, and dwell on those at my own pace and kind of have that going around my head day to day. Because um, so many amazing promises in here, but if you're just trying to remember what the start of the sentence was and follow the gist of it, then you can't really dwell on those individual bits. So something specific that I've learned um, is about the glory of Christ. Um, from one of the earlier sermons when Chris was talking through all the bits in chapter one on who Christ is, and you know, it's not something we think about day to day, that I think of Jesus in human form as a, a relatable figure that sort of turns up in the New Testament and then went off to heaven to sit at the right-hand side of the Father, who's harder to picture. But in Colossians it says, Christ was the firstborn over all creation. He wasn't new in the New Testament or even the Old Testament. His, his three years of ministry were just a tiny fraction of his existence from before the start of the universe. He's been joining in with the Father in creation and watching over everything that's unfolded since, not just idly waiting for his moment to shine. So when we're before the throne, we won't have any mistake that he's no less glorious than, than the Father. Um, and this renewed sense of glory has has helped me in times of worship. Sometimes I can be singing along, worshipping with words, but my mind is kind of jumping around. But I like to picture things, and having this picture of Christ in glory, you know, beyond all imagination, but a reminder of that has helped me to worship with my mind as well as my words. And this picture throughout my 
day-to-day life has also given me more motivation to pursue uh, what it says in chapter 2, to live your life in him, brought to all fullness, remembering that Christ is alive today in heaven, just as he has been forever, gives me more excitement about seeking him, going around my day-to-day life. Hi, I'm Flick, for anyone that I haven't met. Um, I'm just going to share kind of the three things that have um, throughout Colossians kind of uh, struck me most or I think God has been trying to remind me about most and they kind of um, run as themes throughout the whole um, book. Um, But how I would summarize them is um, that uh, this book and I think what God has been speaking to me about is um, that I want to be... um, standing firm in Christ and overflowing with thankfulness. Um, And that is summarized really well for me anyway in um, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, which say, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The... Um, so yeah, um, these kind of big reminders for me, um, firstly, now that we are, um, now in Christ and he's in us. Um, and if you look back at chapter one, it kind of goes over and over and over again that we are in him, that we are in him, that he is in us, that we are in him. Um, and for me, it's just that, that reminder that, um, I think kind of like the guys have touched on already that, um, our lives are now deeply entwined um, in Christ and through what he's done, not only is he in us, but we get to now live in him. Um, And I don't really know what that means. um, It's just something that is kind of over and over again, um, a reminder for me that um, I'm not just me. I'm not kind of floating around separate from God looking for him. I'm in him as he is in me. And then secondly, it's this this reminder to be um, firmly rooted in him, um, which I tried to like pick a section that highlights that, but actually I just kept finding it in all of the sections. Um, and it sort of comes in different in different phrases, but that thing of um, it constantly says like being rooted in, um, having uh, our hearts and minds um, on him, um, being built in, in him, being rooted, standing firm, kind of these phrases run throughout. And I want to be someone that is firmly rooted. I want my foundations to be deeply, deeply um, buried in him, in Christ as he is in me. And I want to be someone that can stand firm, kind of no matter what life throws at me. Um, and this book just, again, Paul just constantly is like, guys, we need to be in him. We need to be firmly rooted. And then finally, the other thing that I love about Colossians is that it's a constant reminder to be thankful. Um, And again, this was one that was all throughout. (laughs) Um, But um, I I think I'm generally quite a positive person, but I I love that that Paul is just saying that, guys, we need to be worshipping God and praising him and being thankful for everything that he's done. Um, And I like that, again, that it it varies throughout the... um, throughout the book that it's the reminder to be thankful as an individual but also kind of corporately thankful as a church as a community um and that brings me on to the kind of second chunk that is one of my favorite um parts of the book um that is chapter 3 verses 12 to 17 which I won't read, read all of um and the reason that I come back to this is a lot is this was our um quite in a fairly cliched way our uh, wedding passage um and we picked it because it basically describes 
how we want um, Rob and I wanted to kind of start life together and we wanted to be people that were clothed in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgive one another and cover our, our marriage our um, individual lives and our um, family life in love and we just loved that it was a kind of this is how we wanted to be as a, as we started our marriage and I love that um going through Colossians as a church has given me an opportunity to kind of revisit that passage for for me and for us but also look at it as a as a church and um that reminded that actually we can have these values these um ways of living these important things that we want to clothe ourselves in um as a as a small group as a church as a kind of corporate um corporate values and kind of corporate thankfulness um and I love that reminder it's kind of a list of it's like a to-do list for me of how I'd love love to be living out um this stuff um so in terms of kind of how I've tried to incorporate this into my day-to-day life um or actions I wanted to think of um it's reminded me I think to in one way is just trying to start my day um, with gratitude and, and thankfulness um, for all of the, the things that God has done, is doing, will do. Um, and I love that chapter 4, verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Um, and for me, in my, similarly to Emily, kind of struggle, day-to-day struggle with quiet time and devotional time, I tend to kind of yo-yo between um, spending whatever time I manage to give just either just to reading the Bible or listening to the Bible or or just to praying. And I'm not very good at often incorporating both of those two. And for me, it tends to be a seasonal thing and that I'm really, um, I'll really crave the word and trying to read more and trying to learn more. And then other times I'll really crave just talking to God and being in his presence. But I think for me in this season, I would love to be doing both. <laughs> I'm not very good at doing both, but I'd love to be doing both. But for me in this season, I think it was a reminder that um, for me, this is a season of, of prayer, of um, starting my day praying and being thankful and um, trying to root myself in in him, not just in a knowledge way, even though I'd love to be reading the Bible more than I do, but in a, I want to be um, deeply entwined with Jesus and, and with what he's saying to me and what his plan is for me in, in each day. Um, so that's kind of where Colossians has taken me in this time. Thanks, guys. That was really fantastic to hear those different perspectives of how different people have got something um, from these scriptures, how people have dug into them, how we have kind of started to think about and wrestle with, well, what does this mean for us as a people? What does this mean for us as a community? What does this mean for us as individuals? Um, And I think the Bible is something that some of, sometimes it's so easily accessible to us and it's something that we sort of hear read every Sunday. It's maybe something that we try and read every day um, that it can almost become just like, oh yeah, that's the Bible, you know. And that's why we did that thing at the start. We said, oh, well, imagine this church and imagine the joy and the treasure that it would be to receive these words from Paul um, and imagine the treasure uh, that they would get from that. And, and all through the Bible, there's, there's things that talk about how the Bible is meant to be a treasure. So there's this uh, verse that I just want to show you from one of the Psalms, which says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Um, and the word can be something that actually we really treasure, that actually we really delve into to see what is God teaching us? What does God want us um, to get out of this? And hopefully we've been able to do a little bit of that through Colossians. And hopefully each of us have got something that we might take away from that. But hopefully also this is something that we can think about moving forward, that actually uh, cherishing 
the Bible, cherishing God's word to us and cherishing the fact that we get to read this together, that we get to do this together, that it's not just, well, take the Bible and go away and you work out what God's saying to you. But actually, as we've seen, just by listening to different people, hopefully we also feel a bit inspired, maybe reminded of something that God's been speaking to us. Um, so we're just going to take, uh, just make a little bit of space, really like for just five minutes now, um, and just get you to think about these two questions. Um, so it might be that you've been here every week where we've been uh, sort of preaching this and reading this. You might be talking about it in small groups. It might be that this is your first Sunday um, here, uh, and that's fine. But so either from what you've heard today or from the last few months, I'd just love you to think about what struck you from Colossians. Um, and then that second question, how will this impact how you live? Because actually the word is given to us. God speaks to us uh, to change our understanding of him, to change our understanding of ourselves in order uh, that we can live this life that he's calling us to. So what I'm going to encourage us to do is just to get into maybe twos or threes, just with people close to us. Um, we've got five minutes. So just spend a little bit of time uh, sharing something maybe that struck you, either from this, this, what you've heard this evening from Colossians. Um, I think, Franzi, have you got those... Um, the, the kind of summary that Ben read out earlier. Um, we've got some copies of that that Franzi's going to give out. There might not be quite enough for one each. But if you want to have a look at that, if you want to grab your Colossians books, which are at the back, um, just take five minutes, turn to a, one or two people around you, um, and just maybe have a go at answering one or two of these questions, like, these questions and with them.